gentlemen we're here for you and we're here with you and we run in sticky rolls oh it's the worst extra wow. sticky if i wanted to live like this i would actually live in florida in the summer and about i would pay a lot less <laughs> i'm not necessarily into the lady boys myself so then i wouldn't live in thailand but you know if you if that's for you then then, then the humidity is there uh, too no i'll pass Man, yeah, so we got a lot to cover, folks. Big, big action this weekend in the world of combat sports. We had a prediction come to fruition, uh, which was Mikey Garcia beat the crap out of Adrian Broner. But I think it was, it, was not a, it was not a scenario where Adrian Broner didn't come to fight like normal. We had a big day in uh, UFC, which, and it was interesting because I want to get your take on something because I thought it was interesting that UFC scheduled a fight that was a pretty big fight on the same night as a pretty big boxing match. Not a pay-per-view boxing match, but a pretty big boxing match nonetheless. I feel like it was sort of disrespectful to boxing. Boxing should be ashamed of themselves. You shouldn't have a, a company like the, a w, you know, the UFC going against them. They're established for, a, a, what, a couple of hundred years maybe, a hundred years, boxing? TV hasn't even been around for a couple hundred years, so but I don't boxing. think they're established. No, I'm like saying that. boxing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my brother, the exaggerator. It's always the same. What are you talking about? Boxing hasn't been around? They've been doing fisticuffs forever. And it hasn't been promoted. If that's the case, UFC UFC is the ultimate that's been around because UFC is just a fight. (laughs) And and that's been around since sticks and stones. Touche. So we got that. But I want to start off because it's summer and it's hot. With our favorite sports, ladies and gentlemen, a game so fine, it's played on diamonds. Major League Baseball, folks, a trade deadline just passed, and there was a lot of action. A lot of action. T-Bone Aroni, who do you have as the winners and the losers? There's a couple obvious uh, uh, big, big moves that took place, but who do you have and why? Well, you know what? I don't think that there was a lot of action. I think that really? there was a lot of quality action. It was more quality than quantity. Okay. And the Houston Astros came out big. The Dodgers came out big. Houston didn't look like they did a lot of big stuff, but they actually did. They uh, shored up the bullpen. They got Liriano, you know, and they made a couple. But they, they got they got Neshek, right? Yeah, Pat Neshek. And then I think they got one more piece, but the Dodgers came up big with you, Darvish, you know. And then the teams that didn't pull the trigger that you can find out that really aren't serious, you know. 100%. Yeah, they go and do these little small time trades. You can that look, mean nothing. That mean nothing. Like why? Why? Are, why do you just need to shuffle players? Right, and you're now, not going to trick the fans. Exactly. The White Sox are doing what's right. They're in complete rebuild mode. They have most of the. They have what like four or five of the top ten prospects in all of baseball now. Yeah, and they're letting their kids play. And, and they're letting their kids play. They brought Moncada. Yeah, Moncada and messed up his knee the, the, the other night. Messed up his knee, even though it looked like he messed up his dome. He looked like he was in the UFC match. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. But you know what? The Dodgers really came up big. They tightened up the bullpen. I just don't think that they can beat the Astros still. The Astros have team speed, which is there's no cure for. And that, that'll be the difference because you still have a lot of holes with Chase Utley and Logan Forsythe. I'm not sold on them. To me, the Dodgers were the big winners, as were the Yankees, which isn't necessarily, you know, breaking news or anything like that. But I have a different reasoning as to why. 
I think people who don't watch baseball a lot don't know the quality and the caliber of relievers that they picked up. Right. You Darvish is an obvious dub. That's an right. obvious win. And and I think you brought up a great point off the air, which is he may be moving into a more comfortable environment because of Los Angeles being a more diverse uh, uh, yeah. community, per se, than a Texas, right. than an Arlington, Texas. So he may actually fit in better, which may affect his numbers. I'm a firm believer that you have these guys who are stone cold winners. And when they're winners, it's very, very difficult for them to play on losers and to give their all on losers. Yeah, they're getting paid big money and so on and so forth, but I don't really think that that matters in the grand scheme of things for what they're going for. So a guy like you, Darvish, who perennially strikes out 200-plus batters you know, yeah. a year, yeah. he just needs the right setting. And what Dave Roberts is showing is that he's that guy that the players respond to. You know, I really didn't like his coaching style, but it really it's, it grows on you. I can't I can't front on it's it. It's different. It's it's very different. And you know what? Kudos to him and kudos to the front office of the Dodgers for letting him do what it was, having the vision and letting him execute the vision. Right, because I think that one of the things that he does, which I've seen a few times, is that he actually works with the players one on one, and that's very very important for a head coach. You know, he doesn't just leave it to his hitting coaches or the fielding coaches. Right. Right. And he works with them one on one. I saw him uh, doing some footage with Puig, showing how showing him how they're approaching a bat and everything else. And it's very very important, especially when you're talking about a young team that dudes a winner, and especially when you're talking about a world champion. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think Dave Roberts also has in his favor is youth. Dave Roberts is, I think he's only 45, 47. So right. He looks older than he actually is. Right. But he's, uh, he looks like he could be in our family actually. He does. <laughs> but, <laughs> But but he uh but but he has that connection that he's able to mentor the young young guys and it seems like the older guys respect him enough maybe because they played with him or just because they know that he knows what they're going through. But with what he's doing now, I'm super impressed because at no point did I think the Dodgers would have the best record in baseball at this point in the season. Yeah, honestly, I God. didn't either. And and he has, as I've said before, has made better use of the ten day DL than any other coach in all of Major League Baseball. And I think he had practice last year when he had all those injuries, and he was able to get so far with bubblegum and duct tape. Now, Tony Watson is like one step beneath Zach Britton. Tony Watson is a really, really uh, that's good too believer. Far. That's too far. He's, he's way, beneath. He's, he's beneath. He's, he's a few, about five steps at least below uh, Zach Britton. Zach Britton could have won the Cy Young last year, honestly. And Tony Watson still gets hit. Zach Britton really doesn't get hit that often. I agree with that, but Tony Watson is now going to be in a position where he's the setup man and or the closer on nights when he doesn't uh when Kenley Jansen is I don't think so. I don't think they're going to use him in that capacity. I think see this is this is to me the beautiful part about what happened at the trade deadline. We're watching the evolution of the game. We've already seen that this year there's more home run hits uh, home runs have been hit than any other year. Uh, in Major League Baseball, and then we also have more strikeouts. Well, so then what has happened is is the game has to be become uh, about swing and miss. Right. And that is what we're seeing with guys getting power arms in the pin. And what's going down is is that everybody's trying to shorten the game. In the Dodgers scenario, they have the option to lengthen or shorten the game. This is a serious problem, and it makes them a serious contender. You know, the gamblers have them at a way far out way ahead of the game as far as the odds to win the World Series. Yeah, they do. I think the Astros is the closest thing closest to Closest thing to them. Mm-hmm. Closest thing to them. And, and with the Dodgers, now if you get a decent outing from a Kenta Maeda or something like that where he can give you five or six, 
If the Dodgers get the lead late, the game should be over. And we're watching what the Cubs did last year, the Cubs and the Indians, because it was happening in both the American and the National Leagues. You got to see that now teams aren't messing around anymore. They're saying, okay, you know what? I'm playing for October. We need a different structure in the season than we do in the postseason. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see a lot of the way that Joe Madden and Terry Francona used Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman and Cody Allen and all, you know, all the all of the tools that they had to get the job done. Now, literally, Clayton Kershaw has help so that he should not feel the pressure to have to do absolutely everything from the mound. Right. And they had that little touch of offense. Although we don't they know. They got to, more than a touch of offense. The Dodgers are way up there in home runs for yeah, the league. They, you can't front on them. What I'm saying is that one of the things that we're going to have to see is if these kids are going to fade during the playoffs, you know, because. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's, but then that's you got it. reserves coming because Adrian Gonzalez hasn't played in who knows how long. AG. And AG's a big time ball player. He is. And when he comes back, but will he he'll round an, into form. I, I believe that as a professional. I think as a professional, he'll make sure that he's into form to be able to deliver clutch knocks. I just want to know what they're going to do with Cody Bellinger and Adrian Gonzalez. Cody Bellinger can play anywhere, though. That's the great thing about him. He, he plays in outfield, you, and you have a lot of spots out there. Yeah, I would sit Jock Peterson down. Jock Peterson is uh, offensive liability. Jock Peterson ain't nobody. <laughs> when I see him, I act like he's somebody. But I'm then so be like, scared. <laughs> Inside joke, folks. Jock, we got love for you, young Jock. 6-5-0. We know you from the, t- from the Bay. I see you. <laughs> But yet, okay, that's an interesting idea. But they got guys, it feels like a magical year in L.A. It felt like that last year, and they actually had a chance to beat the Cubs, and they couldn't, they couldn't pull it out. I think just like our guest Troy OG talked about last week, now you're in a position where you don't have to depend on a Rich Hill. You know, what you get from Rich Hill will be gravy. What you get from a Kenta Maeda will be gravy. You can count on solid starts from Kershaw, Darvish, and Alex Wood, in my opinion. Solid. Solid. And you're talking about... Solid gold, baby. <laughs> you're talking about in a five-game series, this is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's but, a nightmare. you know, how serious is Kershaw's injury? That's a good point. Are they playing games? He's been playing catch, they say, for the past few days. And if his back is bad, I don't think that he's really that hurt if he's playing catch every day. Well, he looked pretty good at the Kershaw ping-pong challenge. <laughs> yeah, I saw the pictures. He looked like he was so all over the place. So do you think it's a scenario where they just giving him a break, really? I think they're giving him a breather. They might have read the global warming weather report and seen that it was going to be 178 degrees in Los Angeles for a while and just gave him a pass. But I also believe— Now, there he goes exaggerating. This, exactly. <laughs> I, I also think it's actually 178 out, folks. <laughs> don't go outside. I'm telling you, don't do it. No, but I think that— uh, Honestly, I think that there's a situation with Kershaw where they recognize how much they need to ride him in the postseason. And, and in this situation, they won't have to ride him like that. Yeah. And if he has, you know, three weeks off, something like that, three, four weeks off, and then he can come back, he can definitely give you vintage 22, right. which is a problem for the entire league. And forget about Darvish because Darvish is lights out. Especially, Darvish is a horse. Especially if he's coming to the National League and they're not that familiar with him especially at Dodger Stadium, because the two people that you're listening to right now watched you, Darvish, stone-cold deal the first time that we ever saw him before he became a member of Major League Baseball. Right. He was on Team Japan. And he was the best pitcher in baseball. He was the best pitcher in the world mm-hmm. at that point. He was the best pitcher in the world. And they uh, and that's why there was that big, huge bidding war. If you remember, right. Boston was going to post $80 million yeah. or something great. That posting fee. That posting fee. That's when that became relevant and everything. All that was because of him. And he went on and helped his team. I do believe he was on both world champion, world baseball teams for yeah. Team Japan. 
Yeah. And he dealt in both situations. And he dealt here at Dodger Stadium. So I think that him working, you know, with the Dodgers, I think it's a very, very, very good fit for him. But to me, Tony Watson is a very, very able-bodied dominant reliever. He just play he just pitched eighth right now. Oh, did he? Yeah. And I think that how'd he do? He shut him down. And and I believe that, you know, one thing that I was concerned with with the Dodgers front management was it seemed in the past they were tied up on getting has-beens and people yeah. grabbing people from organizations that they had already worked for. Well, the Yankees had done that for a few years and brought their, their organization down as well. It did. Mm-hmm. And Brian Cashman, who we can talk about next, has actually rounded out into a great GM because yeah. the moves that he's made over the past couple of years have been phenomenal. But looking at it, one of the things that it seems like the, Yan- the uh, Dodgers front office has done is they've prepared specifically for certain teams. The Dodgers front office is saying, hey, you know what? We got the division wrapped up. Then they right. nobody erasing a 14-game lead in the division going into August. This is not going to happen. Right. Um, Unless a total collapse. You'd have to have a total collapse. And, and then, so what we need to focus on is how do we beat who we're going to play in the playoffs? And who we're going to play in the playoffs Washington. are the Nationals, the Cubs, and they got lefties that do damage. You got Anthony Rizzo over there that does damage. You got uh, Bryce Harper and Daniel Murphy that do damage. You got a guy like a Ben Zobris who you probably would rather have hitting from the right side than the left side. And then you cancel out a lot of this stuff with going to get two guys who are actually really dominant in Tony Watson and the homie Chingrani. Mm-hmm. And nobody's talking about him. There was a period a few years ago when he was super dominant with the Reds. Yeah, yeah. It's just that the Reds have a bad organization. And that and stuff they, brings you down. Yeah, and they brought him down. I got to bring you down, <laughs> Press. You got to pay. You can't be a part of bad organizations and still and be expect, a winner. Expect to be a winner. It doesn't work like that. Nah, it doesn't work like that. Now, moving on, we look at the New York Yankees. Now, last thing about the Dodgers, how do you feel about the Dodgers getting rid of that prospect, Willie Calhoun? You know what? I I felt like it was a bad move, but if you want to get somebody like you, Darvish, you have to give it up. You have to give up something. You got to give it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to oh, give yeah. it up, and I think they. I think but, it was smart for them to give it up because the Dodgers are trying to win right now. But I, I feel like from, from everything that I heard, the Dodgers, um, the Rangers were looking for a center fielder. And the Dodgers have Alex Verdugo down there that they could have get, gotten, that the Rangers could have gotten, but they went to give Willie Calhoun up. Something just doesn't seem right that Willie Calhoun, who could fill a hole for the Dodgers, is not being able to be called up or play because even when he goes to the Rangers, he has no place to play. Odor is at second. <laughs> He's not going to play second. Odor is on, the, on his way to hitting 30 bombs again. Right. You know, you have, you have your boy at, at short and you got Adrian Beltre at, at third. Where is right. that kid going to play? Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. And I, and I don't know, Willie, if you're listening, give us a call. Yeah. The number's 424-254-ZONE. That's 424-254-9663. At any given moment, uh, we'd love to hear from Willie Calhoun and figure out what you think about the trade, my brother. Hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, that's a good point. I, I think that they they pushed the button, and overall the team got better. They got better now, and they got better in the future, as you always say. Guys that are in the show are proven. Yeah, he's a proven product. You Darvish has struck out 250 guys in a season. He's proven. Yeah. I got to have him. I'm not, I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying that. You're mad. I can tell. You're I'm mad angry. at you, Darvish. I'm not mad. I'm mad at the Dodger organization. Because- I'm mad. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> because they they were asking for a center fielder, and you give them one of the best second base prospects in baseball, and you actually need a second baseman. 
I I don't I am not sold on Chase Utley and Logan Forsythe. They seem like they're great people, but as as right now, <laughs> their baseball skill set is not up to code. Well, maybe not for a championship team, but maybe so. Yeah, maybe. As of right now, I can't criticize anything the Dodgers are doing because they're the best team in baseball yeah. as per the record. And so I, I, with that in mind, I can only limit my criticisms. Now, if we skip to the other side of the country, the other coast, and we see now the Yankees have fully reloaded. I've never seen a quicker rebuild in all of my sports watching because the Yankees last year were sellers. They sold everybody at the break. They had the debacle with Alex Rodriguez, who they had to basically usher out of his contract and out of the uniform yeah. and pay him just to go away. And it seemed like, okay, the Yankees are going to try to figure it out for a while. And in walks Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and they dropped the boom. They revitalized CC Sabathia. Tanaka still every other day, every other pitching outing seems to give you great work. It's just, you know, obviously we know he's hurt he's hurt, and he's giving you what he can give you. But Brian Cashman, and I don't know if this is coming from above him or if they're actually, like, giving him the latitude to do what it is he knows how to do. I think it's coming from him because, what is it, Hank? <laughs> it's Hank Steinbrenner. Yeah, Hank doesn't really seem like he has a baseball IQ like that. But this is, my, this is what I'm saying, is that do you think that because in the past they made it sound like the family was still – Involved, even though they may or may not have the uh, the the baseball IQ, like they were still making moves, saying, "No, we got to pay Alex Rodriguez, we got to keep blah blah right. blah," and I, they kind of cut you know Cashman's legs out. Yeah, because they were looking to fill the sands instead of you know actually putting a good product on the field, and it, it ended up backfiring because people, when you went to Yankee Stadium last year, whatever people were booing Alex Rodriguez. Absolutely, he was hurting squad. He the Yankees are squad. about winning. The Yankees, yeah, it's, it's, are, oh, the name on the on the huh, the Yankee name on the front of that jersey is always more important than the name whoever's yes, on the back and that's all over the world not just in the united states it's yeah. all over the world people have yeah. yankee gear on all over the world <laughs> and, all you're, over the and world. you're not going to just come out with a mediocre product year after year with the yankees and people are going to accept that they right. have to win now i say joe girardi's doing great work over there i felt like he's always doing good work even when he had that ragtag fugitive squad when he brought the kids up and they weren't really he had them playing above he had them playing above their heads yeah. for sure yeah and now they got clint frazier up there playing they got todd frazier that they traded for which yeah. was big now they land sunny gray and joe Fra joe frazier and then joe frazier showed up <laughs> what is he doing there <laughs> he's throwing <laughs> everybody get out of here he's throwing vicious left hooks down goes Frazier. <laughs> and then you have and then you have uh, Joe I'm, Girardi who has said, wow, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go with a six-man rotation. That's what I'm doing for this first go-around. He just wants to test the market. And he and wants to dip his toe in and, it. And, and, brother, just get <laughs> dip your toe in this deal. Shout out to Hill Harvard. But, then, uh, but no, you know, the other thing that they want to do is they want to – they want to dip their toe and see what the rotation is like, but I think they want to spell some of the guys. If you can get CC Sabathia to October, I have to believe that he's going to deliver because he's done it before, mm -hmm. and now he pitches instead of throws, and you want he's him. He's effective. He's effective. And they can afford to five and dive because meaning that they can afford to have their starters go five innings and five and, or six, and yeah, that's it because they got a crazy bullpen. Their bullpen is just as good as anybody's in baseball now. Especially when you don't have to depend on a Dave Roberts. Well, they got a Dave Robertson back. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. don't have to depend on a Dave Robertson. Yeah. You just yeah. you get him. Sorry, Dave Roberts. You got you got a you get him. You got him back, and you get him to pitch the seventh. And then Batances and Araldis do what and they're they supposed to do. And they have somebody else in that bullpen that's sick too. And they have a couple other guys that they picked up, so they're they're ready to go. I they're mean, ready to go. They're the, they're definitely now. This is my thing. I think that they're ready to give the Astros a run because because the issue is going to be. Yeah. 
they're gonna they're, nah. the Astros are gonna play the wild card team, which probably will be the Yankees. Ooh, which might be the I think the Yankees are gonna win the East. You don't think the Yankees win the I East? I think the Red Sox are gonna win the East. I don't. I think the Yankees win the East. I think that uh, I think the Indians are the sleeper in all of this. Although David Price just got hurt, I don't. I don't feel like the Indians got it together. They're just not gelling. There's something not right with that team. If you look at the if you look at their record, it's very right. If you look at their record since the All Star break, the Royals won something eight nine games straight and didn't make up any ground. And didn't make any ground up because the Indians won ten or eleven straight. Yeah. So they, they're Terry Francona. You know, I think part of the problem was Terry Francona had his health scare. And he actually was separate from the team for a while because he had the heart procedure that he had to do. And then what I think uh, when he came back, they've been doing it, man. And Edwin Encarnacion is now putting up runs. You know what I mean? He's That dude's out there swinging it like he was in Toronto. It, I don't know. I think that they're a sleeper, honestly, because when you have a certified ace like Corey Kluber, anything can happen. And Denny Salazar's come back, and Denny Salazar looks like Denny Salazar. He always looks like Denny Salazar for one start, and then after that, we don't know what we're going to get from him. Then he then who does he look like? <laughs> he looked like Randy Salazar <laughs> from, the, <laughs> from the WWE. Ooh, when I get you in that square circle, ooh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think Randy Salazar is my man from Silver Lake Wise. Oh, okay. Shout out to Randy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I don't know, they, but I I do. I think they have a great bullpen. They have they've been there. They were there last year, and it's a it's a. I think that's big. Now I want to get to the Astros last because I know how much you love the Astros. <laughs> but I think the, the other Astros. team. I think the other teams that made moves, which seemed like small moves, but they didn't need to make big moves, was the Chicago Cubs. What'd you like to what they do? What they do? They got Justin Wilson, and getting Justin Wilson is yeah. a big deal to shore up that bullpen. That lefty arm. A power lefty arm. Power lefty arm, and he doesn't have to be the closer. No, and they can teach him to be. He fits right in with the nucleus of those young guys. Their biggest problem is that they, and they also picked up Alex Avila yeah, but in that trade. That's a great pickup, but one of their biggest problems, and Wilson Contreras is swinging a stick, one of their biggest problems is that they can't get over Kyle Schwarber. I don't think that's one of their biggest problems. Because it is Kyle a big Schwarber problem. now bats fifth and sixth, and he's and sometimes he's, even more than that. But he shouldn't be batting at all because well, you have talent. At the same time, I gotta if he's one of my guys, I gotta let him play. But he wasn't one of their guys just a few weeks ago. He was down in the minors. Yeah, and they they had him down there, and they said no, he's a major league product, and we got to give him time to to pull it together. Dave then in turn usurped St. Louis, and they're now in first place, and Milwaukee. So they're in first place. So they're not necessarily they got they have wiggle room, if you will. And I don't necessarily think that I wiggle think, room in Wrigley Field. Ooh, say that ten <laughs> times fast! Wow, wiggle room in Wrigley Field. 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 Ooh, they lost. <laughs> they got you. They got me. Oh, I'm, got you. I'm, got I'm you. disappointed. And then, uh, and you know, the only thing their weakness is is the starters. That's because a big weakness. <laughs> it's a huge weakness. It's a huge weakness. Well, you say the only. It's like it's humongous. I mean, because you have John Lackey. John Lackey likes to keep the ball in the dirt, and you know, and he's uh, he's going to keep you. There's up. nothing wrong with that. Well, I know, but but you know, when you're going getting into the playoffs, those teams are going to lay off a lot of those pitches. They're going to make his pitch count get up. You're going to get him out of there in the fourth or fifth inning, and then you're into the Cubs bullpen. One of the best pitchers that they have in their bullpen is Edwards, but you have to get to him, and he's usually good around the seventh inning. And you have Hector. But you got seven, eight, nine now. Yeah. You got, seven eight nine is under control. Hit the Rondon. That's okay. Uh, if you can get to the seventh with the lead or tied, you got Wilson, Edwards, and Wade. I'm not sold on the Cubbies. I, it would take a lot for me to believe in the Cubbies. Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot of time left in the season for them to make that clear. I think the Dodgers are going to play the wild card, and then the Cubs are going to end up playing the Nationals, and the Nationals and have a lot of pressure on so them. The 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 um, St. Louis Cardinals could be the wild card. 
and I don't believe in the Cardinals because the Cardinals starting pitching, even though they have a history, a great organization, a history of winning. I don't. I, you see that there's friction now between Yadier Molina and yeah, Mike Matheny. It should be. And from what I was told from some inside sources from friends who actually played on the team, that there was friction with Mike Matheny a lot. Like in general, there's there's Mike Matheny likes to think that he was a great ball player. <laughs> he, got, he he manages <laughs> like he was a Hall of Fame player, right? And that team came to him stitched together from Tony Larusa. Who is a great manager? Who's a great a Hall of Famer? Yeah, and so when Tony hands down, hands down, my hands are down. Yeah, but you know you can't. He can't walk in there and then start trying to. You know he's not bad mouthing Yachty, but he's insinuated something's not right with him and all this. Yeah, you can't say anything Yachty's about one of Yachty. the greatest catchers in baseball history. Yeah, and and now you're trying to make it seem like something's wrong. And he's clutch. And he's clutch. And he's a two time world champion. Come if on, I, man. If my numbers are right. Come on, there and and they have all these great young talent. Two time one time. I think it's twice. Yeah, I think they got two. But they have all this great young talent down in the minors, and he can't – they won't bring him up. They're sticking with Wainwright. Wainwright is mediocre at best now, which he was a great pitcher, and I'm sure that he's great, a great clubhouse guy, and he could teach a lot of these young kids how to win. But they got to have something in the minors that they can pull up because they, they need have to, a couple they, of kids They need there. to pull a rabbit out of the hat right now. Yeah. Even though Trevor Rosenthal's come back together, which is a very good sign for right. them. But if I was the Dodgers, I would love to see those Cardinals in the – in the the postseason, I think the Pirates are a little dangerous. I don't. And then you have, but this wild card situation is is wild. Whoa! Dude, get that card! It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> because the, actually, the um the Rockets can make it, or yeah. the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks. I think are both a of those. I think both of those teams are a lot bigger potential problem. Yeah, and and those teams are not afraid of the Dodgers or the pitching staff or anything else because the Colorado Rockies want to get you a couple of games in Colorado so they can demoralize you. Yeah, and <laughs> so they can just swing it. Yeah, and just like the Rockies, I'm um, just like um the Diamondbacks do because the Diamondbacks field is just like Colorado. Right. Good point, bro. Good point. Now, um, we have a little alert because. Terry was very adamant about this. Well, let's talk about the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros, the move that they made was to get Pat Neshek. I personally have no understanding as why Pat Neshek is a coveted, was a coveted move. Well, he's a coveted move because he gives you that weird angle that he's bringing the ball in. You don't see him a lot. You I see don't think him, that's going to work in the playoffs this year. Well, all you need to basically all they have him in, he doesn't even go in the inning usually. He might see one or two batters. Right. And they're going to just play the stats. I mean, he's not crucial like that. You got Liriano. Liriano's way more a bigger deal. Yeah. He can go long or he can go short. You can, you know, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think their team is pretty good. If they get to be full steam again once by the time the playoffs come, we watch out for them because they're legit and they've been legit since the word go this season. Yeah, and one of the things that they have that people just will not, you know, they don't. I don't think they get enough credit for is team speed because they have like two or three, I agree. two or three guys that are not in uh, that don't have speed in that lineup, and speed makes they a difference. only have two or three guys yeah, that don't have, have speed yeah. in the lineup, which and then speed makes the difference. Yeah, it's a big deal, and then. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say that too because I thought Jonathan Lucroy was a great move for uh, for the Rockies. A nice pickup for the Rockies. Although he didn't play tonight, said he was a little sick. Yeah, there's a lot of people falling down. You see, Max Scherzer hit his first career home run and then took it out with that neck spasm. He needed to buy his donut <laughs> at the airport. He needed to let him get him. They get you at the airport too. They hit me for twenty bucks. <laughs> I didn't appreciate that. Yeah, the neck pillow, ladies and gentlemen, got T Bone Roni. Yeah, that was they, funny. They oh, the me. flight to London. Oh, my goodness. They got For him. For 20 spot. And then they tell me don't rip the tag off or it'll spill all over the place. Exactly. It was a, not the easiest 10 and a half hours. Um, so what I wanted to bring up was yeah. Aaron Judge. 
Aaron Judge hit another bomb yesterday. I don't know if he's hit one yet today. But he hit another bomb yesterday. And the funny thing about that is yesterday he hit a bomb off of Michael Fulmer. Okay. Now, this goes to support your theory about Aaron Judge getting fat on who he's supposed to get fat on. Yeah. Yesterday, although Michael Fulmer is not who you're supposed to get fat on. Yesterday, his home run off of Michael Fulmer was his first home run off of an all-star. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That is a crazy stat. Which you crazy. should build the crux of your argument around because, because that is that's you know that doesn't take anything away from him. No, but it actually says he's doing what a major leaguer is supposed to do. He's getting fat. I mean, superstars, which you know, get home runs off of Miguel Cabrera, yeah. gets home runs off of anybody that's playing. Right, and look at a guy like George Br- Springer. Now he's hitting home runs off of everybody, and the, you know he has to get to that point. He's only been in the league what this is a year and a half now. Yeah. So he has to learn how to do that. It's just they're going to play games with him. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, like I told you before, if they hit him and maybe hit him like in his face or something like that. Mm. Just like they did Stanton. You know, it's to just get him a, off the play, uh-huh, get him off his a, game. It's just a baseball thing. They when, didn't even need to hit him. He chipped his tooth in a in a walk off <laughs> celebration the other night. You saw that? Uh, it. Yeah, you got uh, Brett Gardner hit that walk off, and they're celebrating at home plate. Everybody's bouncing up and down, and you know he's six seven or whatever. Right, so everybody's he is. underneath him. Everybody's underneath him. Chin checked him. Chin checked him with the helmet. Chipped his tooth. Wow. And he came out the next day and went deep. You seem like you don't believe in him as a potential triple, uh, not a triple crown, but as a potential MVP candidate. But he's beyond rookie of the year candidate, man. His numbers are he's going to end up close to 300, more than 40 bombs, and more than 100 ribeyes. Those numbers stack up with everybody in the league. Yeah, they do right now. I, and I just say the market's going to correct itself because his average has dropped like close to 20, 30 points since I said that. And he's only hit probably probably like four bombs since then. Which was the all-star break. I mean, it, you know, there's a reason the record was 61 forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not that he's not a good ball player. He's just not there yet. And I think when he came up last year, he only bat like 215 or 220 or something. What was that he bat? He struggled. I know yeah, that he struggled. Much. And he, but he figured it out to well, his credit. Well, and and, and that's, his, a, that's a credit to Joe Girardi and the Yankees staff. Yeah, and he said to himself, he they even spoke about it, that he has that number that he keeps around so that he makes yes. sure. Yeah, you know. I saw that. And it's very, that very, very humbling. Uh-huh, and that's very, very important to him. And he takes, you know, pride in his game. He should, just yeah. like most ball players should. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I want to play a little clip. You remember a few years ago, uh, there was a, just an absolute stone-cold sensation who I think is the reason that Fox made that television series pitch was from the little girl, Monet Davis, that dealt in the Little League World Series. Right. Well, she's back in action now, still dealing against the guys, and uh, and is now pitching in the RBI World Series. On MajorLeagueBaseball.com, you can go to MLB.com and listen to this great interview. We'll play you a little clip from it right now. It's not every day that a girl from the inner city becomes an overnight sensation, but in 2014, Monet Davis did just that when she pitched in the Little League World Series. So what exactly has the now 16-year-old been up to since her breakthrough? I caught up with her at the Great American Ballpark to talk about the RBI World Series, where she is pitching as part of the Phillies' RBI team. Like Playing on the bigger field is a lot more mental than just playing on Little League, because literally you couldn't take leads, couldn't leave until the ball crossed the plate. Pickoffs are a big thing in this, and on the bigger field, and just knowing, like knowing yourself in the game. The competition is a lot different compared to regionals, but it's I like it. It'll make our whole team better, and seems like we're all just like coming together, no matter what team it is. We're all talking to each other and being friendly to each other, and. Hopefully it stays like that throughout the whole week and we just 
win some games. And you go back, you're going to play some ping pong, you said. What do you tell your teammates to get their, their spirits back up for the next game? Um, I just tell them it's all right. Like, you got to lose in order to learn. So that's what I told our pitcher today, and he was, he was struggling afterwards, but I think he pulled it together once we started talking. I told him it'll be all right. We'll see them again. You can get your revenge, and I think he was fine with that. Man, she sounds like a pro. But she sounds like a great teammate. She sounds like a great teammate. Great teammate. And, you know, she's 16 years old. That was big, big news. I remember, you know, when she dealt in the in the, the Little it League was. World Series, it was a big deal. And I'm, I am sure that she was the motivation. I wonder if she her her family got compensated for that because that was basically the potential for that show. That right. was the premise of that show that right. was on Fox. Right. That was really, really interesting. Anyway, she's dealing on them still. They just yeah, if you deal on if them. you you have to, you need to see it. If you get time, go over to MLB.com and watch that interview. They show her striking out some dudes at sixteen. How hard is she still throwing? dealing? I don't know. They didn't. They, I didn't get a. I didn't get any numbers on that. But she looked pretty. She just looks really confident. You know, she has an understanding. She seems to have an understanding of the game, which is great. This is. I, I really wish her well in the future. Really, really do. Oh, Major League Baseball. You saw Edison Volquez is about to go on, uh, needs that Tommy John piece. Oh, is that what he needs? I know that they said he's out for the season. That's what it is. He needs Tommy John. They got him. And he dealt this yeah, year. Great he actually, year. Yeah, he really did. He, him, they just can't catch a break down there in Miami, man. Right? I just don't feel like they have an identity, more so than anything. It seems like that's their problem. But Adam Connolly is throwing well. That young kid was not so bad. O'Grady wasn't, isn't throwing necessarily no, bad. He got jumped Jure- on tonight. But Urena? Urena's throwing really well. Yeah. I hope they pull it together up there. Going to move on now. I want to talk about the world of combat sports. Did you get a chance to watch the John Jones-Daniel Cormier fight? Yes. What was your take on the fight? He was, to me, it just seemed like Cormier is too small for him. It was just like a, a situation where the size seems like it was so much of a— The length. Yeah, the length of John Jones's reach and his, you know, and his strength and everything. Cormier, you can see that his low center of gravity could help him if you got into close quarters with him. But if you know that, then I won't get into close quarters with you. We stand out there, I, and they stood up for most of the fight until he caught that shin to his face. Ooh, my I mean, it was crucial. Oh, my God. Joe Rogan. Why did you interview him after the fight? That wasn't right. I normally don't do that, but I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> what a jerk. Because <laughs> you're out. You're glazed. <laughs> you, you are glazed. You are glazed and confused. You're glazed and confused. <laughs> so, so you know what? Now, I'll say this. To me, and I'm not the UFC aficionado, but watching the fight, honestly, I felt like John Jones won the first half of the first round, and I thought he was losing the fight. I thought I didn't think he was I thought it. I thought the second half of the first round what it seemed like happened to me was Daniel Cormier had gauged his punching power in the first fight which is, I don't watch that many UFC fights mm-hmm. in the first fight what I saw was John Jones would hit DC and he would move him Cormier saw all the punches coming and even if he got hit, he, it wasn't like his neck was snapping or this, that, and the other. And honestly, you could see the ring rust on John Jones because he, he touched John Jones' chin. He checked his chin quite a few times. Yeah, but this was a situation where he couldn't completely touch him the way that you need to in a combo type of situation. He needed the combo. Yeah, he needed to chop him down and yeah, get the combo popping. Yeah, he hit him once, and John was definitely rusty. But I disagree with you because the punches that John Jones threw were effective. That's what put him in the situation to receive that that uh, shin to his face. See, I didn't believe that because what I saw was Man, that's, round that's two, what he should have saw coming. Round two, which is funny because it looks like he's looking right at it. Right, <laughs> but 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 this is the thing. Round two, 
I thought DC took over, and then round three, when, what, what was happening to him was John Jones went from just throwing the ones and twos to mixing in those kicks mm-hmm. and eating them straight to the ribs. And I think that what happened is, is just like any kind of body work, Cormier leaned in thinking that that was going to be a kick to the ribs. And he so went he T-Rex. Kinda, and he went T-Rex, and he, <laughs> and he kind of shortened up. And when he shortened up to it, John Jones extended his shin and into went, the tackle. Oh, you can <laughs> – he gave it to him. Hold on a second. What the hell is wrong with the referee in UFC? <laughs> they like to see you get killed. I mean, the people on Twitter are talking about, no, that was great work by the ref, man. <laughs> the hey, dude was they, they like to give you, you got to get every chance uh, that you get as a champion in the UFC to get it done. Are like, you hey, kidding? Do you have absolutely, positively no chance of doing anything positive when you are knocked out? <laughs> Literally. I mean, beat to a pulp. Dog. He started boo- boohooing afterwards. He was bawling. I mean, come on, man. Man, that was unfortunate. That was an ugly look. I didn't feel like he was winning the fight. I felt like John Jones was effective because he was using his jab. He kept him at bay. Your man was a one-punch wonder. He was hitting him hard when he did hit him. But John Jones was throwing the more effective punches, and he was throwing more punches and landing because he had the length. And your man, Cormier, had to do so much to get into him. He had to do a lot. He had to eat a lot to he get had, in. He, and that's My what thing was him. is that just it seemed as though he was able to – it seemed as though he was able to – to take that, which was a surprise to and me. He, but, and then it came down to it, and he couldn't. He couldn't take it because he fell for the faint and got that shin to his face. What is that kick called? I don't – I see, I'm not I, – I don't know. Shin kick. Leg shin bar. kick. Leg bar. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a leg bar. <laughs> yeah, but it but it was it, it was called the knockout drops is what it was called. Yeah, put him because, asleep, I mean, he went – pill. I mean, your whole frame shook up. A big dude like that frame shake up, man. Oh my man. goodness! You now can... let's 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 go. And you know what I'm going to find right now? John Jones speaking humbly about your man. And this is what I want to play because he's like, oh man, don't be like that. Come on. Yeah, and you know what? This shows this shows great maturity. Yes. You know because John Jones is notorious, you know, for being a jerk. And that's this, his man. This this, this, this you know. Let, let's. I'm just going to let you guys hear. I'm here with the winner, John Jones. You made it back. I made it back, man. Man. Man, such a beautiful moment. Man, I did a lot of right things to get back in this position. Man, I tell you what, man. Anybody at home let yourself down? You let your family down? You let your peers down? Your coworkers down? You let yourself down? It's over, John. It's over. You came back? It is over. Yeah, you know what, Joe? I want to take this time to thank Daniel Cormier for being my biggest rival and motivator. Daniel Cormier, guys, he has absolutely no reason to hang his head. He has been a model champion, a model husband, a model, a model father, a teammate, leader, and I aspire to be a lot more like that man because he's an amazing human being. Unfortunately, we are opponents, but outside of that, he is a true champion for the rest of his life. That was really classy. From John Jones, it was that showed some really serious growth and maturity. And what one of those things that was funny, but it was too soon, was Daniel Cormier, who was obviously glazed because he just got knocked out. And then not only did he get knocked out, he then probably got CTE because the ref didn't stop the fight soon enough and let him take about eight to nine punches right to the dome. I don't understand that. I don't. I, I don't I like that. Him, that really bothered me. I was looking me. at him just laying there. He was obviously out. He didn't. They, they had to explain to him what happened after the fight. He thought the round had ended, and he was ready to go back out to compete. Yeah. You could see he was like, "What is he? What is John Jones doing with his shirt on? Right? What are we doing?" And and 
Afterwards, in the in the too soon but hilarious category, they interviewed Daniel Cormier and Joe Rogan's like, I don't usually do this, blah, 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 blah. But I just wanted to uh, give you a chance to talk. What do you have to say about your rival? He says, I guess it's not much of a rival if he's won both fights and I haven't won any. Good for DC. Right. And I hate the fact that, you know, I don't think he should be boohooing. But obviously, truth be told, with his dome getting busted up like that, who knows what's going on in his head. We saw the same thing happen to what was the player on the Panthers. Remember the the middle linebacker? He started crying like oh, that. Oh, he sure did. Yeah, and he's Luke Kuechly, and he is, yes. is a stud among studs. You're right. You're right. And with that brain trauma like that, you don't you know, never know what the reaction you never know might what the be. Reaction might be. Which is why they end up hurting people in the whole song and dance. Right. Yeah, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of him breaking down crying, but of course, we don't know what happened in his brain because of the situation. Yet at the same time, I think unless you've been an athlete and you understand the devastation that comes from when you have fully committed and sacrificed for something and it goes the wrong way exactly. in your book, you see grown men cry behind sports all the time, the guys who really care. Right. I have never seen a James Harden shed a tear you probably about won't. the game. You know what I mean? James Harden hits to the strip club after. But you will see the Kobe Bryants, the 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 Michael Jordans. And they, they just stare out to space and just wonder. They like, zone out and <laughs> like, it looks like they're this, willing to kill somebody. Yeah, this, are you telling me that this happened to me? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you know how much time I spent in the gym? Yeah, this is not supposed to happen. You know how many french fries that these guys pass on? <laughs> yeah, come on, man. It's total dedication. You saw the picture Kobe Bryant put up, by the way? Oh, but it's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he said Mamba Thick. <laughs> I have to say, I think I'm going to come around and be a Kobe Bryant fan post-career. Probably. He probably is a great guy now. He seems like it. And he seems like, you know, he's, he was speaking to the Chargers the other day, you know, uh, talking to them about being winners and about the, the, the what they're about to face by coming back to L.A. and playing in this market and what's expected of them as far as winning goes. <laughs> I like how KB24 is moving, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's why Magic wanted to bring him in as a consultant, right? And Kobe's like, for what? <laughs> I already did it. I don't need it anymore. And tell these young kids how to win. They're supposed to want it. They're supposed you to learn how to that do out. it. They got to come seek me out. I'm sure he wouldn't shut anybody down if one of the kids called him and wanted to work. Right. i give you some work. That's what he will give you. And so. I, I don't know, though. <laughs> what can you do? Mama, mama can't eat. Mama ain't ate for 20 years. Yeah, come on, man. Let him eat. He's been eating like sashimi, no rice. Yeah, come on. 20 years. Finally, he does it. And finally, your boy Adrian Broner's career may be over. Thank you. Why do you get so mad at Adrian Broner? Because he's a, a, a terrible person, it looks like. He just will not act right. Come on, dude. <laughs> man, it's not If right. anybody didn't see it, Adrian Broner fought Mikey Garcia this weekend. Uh, did you ever see that fight before with Jamel Charlo and the guy? No, with I the didn't. Ever, I never get to see oh, that. Everybody tells me it was sick. It, you don't even want to see that. that guy, <laughs> Why'd you tell me look at it? <laughs> <laughs> look at that car accident over there. You don't want to see it, but take a look. <laughs> Welcome to life in the Miller family, folks. Yeah. So, so back to the main uh, the main event. Yeah, man. Um, Mikey Garcia went out there. And put on a clinic. I mean, the clinic. <laughs> that was the most fundamental pounding that I've seen in a very the long time. The only thing that Adrian Broner did that was impressive was not get put to sleep. He didn't get put to sleep because he took a lot of punishment. He, he broke his nose. Of, yeah, but but that seemed even that seemed like a fluke. And Mikey, from the opening bell, I would say from the opening bell of the second round. He dominated the fight. It was completely one-sided. The first round seemed like a feeling out, and it seemed like Broner touched him maybe more than he touched yeah, Broner, you know, yeah, in that first round. Yeah. And after that, it seemed like Mikey Garcia was like, that's it? 
This is Adrian Broner? This is how he talks all crazy like this, and this is it. He used to be so much better. I think that we're looking at the ultimate situation of use it or lose it. Because Adrian Broner decided early in his career to be A-B and make that to be a moniker for about billions. Yeah, and didn't get in the gym like he's And he wasn't to. in the gym. Because he when he first came up, now he's in. I See, I'm, I'm with the announcers on this one. And with Paulie Malnagy and all those guys. I don't think that this was not this was the unprepared Adrian Broner. No, he was prepared. He just ran into a better fighter. He ran into a better fighter, and he even started his post fight speech saying exactly that until he broke down into until he Here went we back go. to the ego. Oh my God. You listen to a guy like John Jones speak, maturing and everything. And uh, you, let's listen. Let's find. Let me find Adrian. Well, do Broner. we have say to what you say? Say what you're gonna say. <laughs> and then we have to listen to somebody like Adrian Broner go and on another rant about just nothing. I mean, literally, it's, there's no substance in what he's talking about. He's a, you know, it's just bad for boxing. You don't need that. Why can't you respect each other? You just lost to this guy. This guy just laid tips on you. And he didn't, like, disrespect Garcia, but he disrespects the sport and the way that he carries himself. I I feel like a lot of that is brought on by the whole Floyd Mayweather image persona thing. You know, Floyd uses it as a way to to sell fights and to make money. But Floyd doesn't lose. And, but Floyd doesn't lose. You can't. There's a big difference. Is that not only does he not lose, he doesn't look bad. Broner yeah. looks bad. Like yeah. he, he and, looks like he's. And his last two fights were gifted. He ran he a gifting sweet. He <laughs> ran gifting sweet. He did that. He he did not win either one of those fights. Really, he should be O for his last three. Yes. But uh, yeah. You know, it was still a good fight, though. It wasn't like you shouldn't have watched the fight. It was a good fight, right? But I never it's felt not- like I, I never felt like Garcia was in trouble at all. I never felt like Mikey was like, "Oh my God, this might be it." Every I, time Broner stepped up, I felt a little threat because he does have pop. He put Sean Porter on his back at like in the eleventh round or some of their fight, eleventh mm-hmm. or twelfth round. He's got pop, but what happened was he took so much punishment that by the time that his slow start wore off. Which is typical of him. Thunder. He, wasn't a he thunder didn't have cat. enough thump. No, he didn't have enough thump. And I tell you, here's my thing about it: is he actually had the goods when he first came up? When he was 140, when he was right. you know down there, mm-hmm. he was really good. He we can't front on him. He was the reason they catapulted him like that is because they saw his potential. Now, what I think happened is, is they saw his potential and they moved him to the light a little too quickly. And then what ends up happening from there, we all saw, and it wasn't anything admirable at all. But this is a guy who potentially could have had it all. He got on Mayweather's team to be the heir apparent, and it seemed like Floyd was absolutely down with that mm-hmm. as long as he could continue the Mayweather TMT banner of winning. Right. Well, even if that's against chosen opponents, uh, that with fixed fights, whatever it is, but you got to win. And ever and he since he wasn't doing it, Maidana put tips on him. He hasn't been the same. He hasn't been the same. And I don't know if it's good timing. I don't know if it's just, you know, literally just not being focused. But I think from what I understand, he made $2 million in this fight or a million dollars or something like that. Yeah, so but honestly, with a guy like him, what is $2 million? I know that he's AB and stuff, but he's so into showing people that he has money that he actually doesn't manage his money well. You you know, we've seen videos of him throwing money around and throwing it in supermarkets and, you know, and then betting people and doing crazy stuff after he loses his bets. Two million dollars won't last long. We'll see. I mean, he does live in Ohio, so that that, that helps. <laughs> it stretches. That, it'll stretch <laughs> a, a lot longer than it would if you were living in Hollywood Hills. Yeah. But let's hear A.B. post-fight. Adrian, tough night here tonight. 
what was the biggest difference in your mind in this fight? Um, first of all, I got to thank God. I got to thank um, all the people who came to see me lose, all the people who came to see me win, because at the end of the day, y'all the reason I make all this money. Um, and another thing, I just want to congratulate Mikey Garcia, his team, Robert Garcia, all them. But you know what? The fight, it was a good fight. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a fighter. I come to fight. I come to win. And I put my heart on the line. I feel like. AB, you kept shaking your head and talking during the fight as though you were never hurt or, or never, never backed up really by him. What was the thought process and your strategy in all of that? And how come you couldn't seem to muster when you needed that that energy and that spirit that would have, you know, got you back into the fight? Shit, it was it, it was Tom and Jerry. He, <laughs> I had to catch the mouse. You said it was a do-or-die fight, and unfortunately it didn't they come out. They said it's a do-or-die fight. If I fight tomorrow, then everybody in this motherfucker going to still come see me, man. At the end of the day, listen, I'm still AB. I'm still about business. I'm still the can, man. I'm still a fighting motherfucker, and anybody still can get it. And if you want a rematch in California, we can do it. And what about the weight? Was it just too much weight for you to come down? I went tired. <laughs> I was tired. Better fight the night. He was the better man tonight, and it's okay. At the end of the day, I'm still a four-time world champion, four different weight classes, and when I'm done with sport, I'm gonna be in the history books. It started off so nice. Right. It was like it was like, oh wow, AB, that that you know they thumped his head. It looked like he maybe he got some sense knocked into him, and then it went left. Yeah, I mean. He started. He just insinuated a little bit that Mikey might have been running from him, you know. And I didn't see any of that. <laughs> I didn't see him. I saw Mikey standing in the pocket and <laughs> dropping the ones and twos on him. Is what twos. I saw for the whole fight. For the whole fight. And anytime Adrian looked like he wanted to surge, he's like, "I'm here for you. This I'm, is what I, I like came to here fight. for. Yeah, I like the fight. And guess what? I got cheated out of two years of my career for fighting, and it didn't end up happening. And, and, now, and now everybody's got to pay. And starting with you, man." And that's exactly who it started with. <laughs> now, where does Broner go from here? I don't know. I think he goes to the house because ultimately. He want to get on sticks with us. <laughs> I think he might have to jump on a, a crackle with us or the, the, the uh, caffeine. Yeah. I think he might have to jump caffeine, on caffeine, caffeine with us. Jump on because caffeine. ultimately, I don't know what he does. You know what I mean? I don't think. I don't know. What, what does he do? What does he? What? I don't think he's right when he says. If I fight again tomorrow, everybody will be back. Right. I think people have grown tired of the clown show, and I actually think this coming up, August 26th, will be the last time that Floyd Mayweather can sell his spectacle. Difference is, is Floyd Mayweather sells his spectacle for a lot more money, so once it's done for him, it can be done. Right. You know? Gives him room to play. It gives him a lot of room to play. You make $350 million a night. That's right. a, That gives you a lot of wiggle room. Um, and I just don't know if the networks will want to fool with A.B., Maybe they give him to another young stud that tightens him up, and then that's when things start going the wrong way for you. And for Mikey, though, the sky's the limit. Now, if you were Mikey, would you want to fool up and go with a Terrence Crawford type or fool down and go with a Lomachenko type? I feel like he can go either way right now. I and, do, too. And, and, and really, he showed that he can stay in there with anybody. I mean, that was a great execution of a fight plan. And I he, think it was a great execution of a fight plan against a game fighter. That's my thing. Right. It's like you, we can't. Broner's a quality opponent. opponent. Yeah. It's when not, when he's focused. Yeah. And, and, and you it wasn't see like he, he was focused. Yeah, he was focused. 
It's just that he's not gracious. I mean, it's hard to be gracious in defeat, although everybody feels like you're supposed to be. Uh, you're a pro. No, 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 no. We're athletes, and you like to compete, and you don't want to lose. Right. Except he goes, he he crosses the line. You right. Know? Right. Uh, yeah, he he's a perennial line crosser. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he does do it, it all the time. But but I'm saying that with Mikey, I think that Mikey. I don't think that he'll be hurt if he went either way. That's what I'm trying to say. I think he gets the big money fights if he can go up. But I Always. think he's in a position where people are going to have to demand it because because of his whole scenario with being on the outs. I think it was with top rank was the problem that mm-hmm. he had. You know, because of the cartel of boxing that they have. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough position for him to get the fights that he wants to get, you know, in yeah. my opinion. And I don't think that, you know, why would Terrence Crawford want to fight him besides personally fighting him? But his his whole, you know, promotion, why, what's what's good for them to fight him? He's a problem. He's the type of fighter that, like Winky Wright, that people just didn't want to people fight. People don't want to fight. And I don't think people want to fight Mikey, although I think Terrence Crawford wants to fight everybody. Yeah, no, no I, I, I feel like Terrence wants to fight him, but his team. Well, and Terrence is with Top Rank, and now you see the president of Top Rank, Todd DeBuff, whoever he is, uh, made a claim on a call with reporters that Garcia isn't even a big name in boxing. Right. And I'm sick and tired of people filling you guys with a bunch of BS telling you they want to fight the greatest fighters out there. This is complete nonsense. Uh, I saw Garcia Broner. I didn't think it was an incredible performance. He point he outpointed Broner. I didn't think it was a scintillating fight. He won the fight, but I wasn't saying, oh, my God, the masses are clamoring for Mikey Garcia. I'm being honest with you here. He had a nice fight. Mikey did a nice job. But it, a big name? Is Mikey Garcia now? Nah, I don't buy it. I think Mikey Garcia is interested in the fight. Have his guys call us. We're in anytime, anytime. So this is what he said, and he came out, you know, I don't know. He came out. I don't. I just don't know why there's so much hate. You know what I mean? There's so much. Well, like, it's all about the money. You know that. They're playing games. It's easier to stand up in front of the mic and say something like that than it is for those guys to actually sign the contract and get in the ring and fight. Because if those guys get in the ring and fight, you have a chance of Garcia beating a big name, and then you have to respect him. And then you have to give him his just dues. And they don't want to put him in a position of power because they don't have control over him. They could use the Don King move where you take a guy like him and make him sign under you to fight a certain amount of fights for a certain period of time. Remember, Evander Holyfield did that. Which was dirty but was genius. Yeah, Evander Holyfield had to do it. Yeah, and he ended up working for Don King and surprisingly ran out of money. Yeah. Uh, Not so surprisingly, I mean, if you didn't catch the sarcasm. Well, Mikey Garcia hit back actually on Ellie's, on on ES News, yeah, on Secback. And said, uh, he said he wasn't impressed. He wasn't happy. The fans are not clamoring for Mikey Garcia. I'm not a big name yet. What? I mean, he's not my promoter, so I understand why he wouldn't mention me. But look, if all the media keeps bringing up my name with their fighters, then that should tell them something, you know? But obviously, they're not interested in fighting me with their fighters. They have their own agenda. That's cool. So that's why he doesn't want to mention my name. He'd rather fight other guys and keep their fighters busy with opponents that are not relevant, opponents that are not anything special, opponents that are not former champions or nothing major, just opponents to keep them busy. Very classy, this Mikey Garcia. Yeah, and he's really putting his finger on this whole stable situation that they have in boxing going right now. Everybody's Boxers, you got to get a union. Yeah. Get out of this whole stable situation where these promoters are handpicking fights. We're not. It's ripping the fans off because we can never. It rips see, the fans off. We don't ever see the real good fights because very rarely do we yeah. see the good fights. And I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm going to go as far as to say, who knows how often we actually see fair fights? Because yeah. these fights obviously are rigged. Maybe not in the most obvious ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas you just have a guy who who takes a dive. 
But the fights are rigged in certain situations. Right, if they go to the distance. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they're rigged in the sense that you see the judges are suspect. Sometimes the refereeing is suspect. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of shady stuff. I just because love there's boxing. No, there's no governing body. There's no governing body. And, yeah, and, and the governing bodies that are there. It's the police policing themselves. More or less. You, you know, I trust the WBC more than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, they need one set of rules, a standard bearer, you know, the whole song and dance. Somebody that they have to answer to because right now they're answering to themselves. And you know what? I think I'm going to, you know, keep the money. I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to share it this time. We're going to just call this fight the way that I want it to go. And it's not right. It's not right to the fans. We're not seeing the fights that we need to see because these guys, like I said, have stables that they're in and they're going to handpick the fighters out of those stables to keep fighting each other. Hmm. We got the HBO and the Showtime. How long have we seen this big conflict where when you want to see a great fight, a fighters with Showtime and the fighters with HBO, and then we can't get ever get them to cross the lines or go in the middle to fight this fight because HBO wants theirs and Showtime wants theirs, the fighter wants this. And- I will say this. The networks have played nice in recent history, which was why it was such a big deal for Manny and Floyd to come together because it, it was just too much money to be made. And then you had a big, big head honcho, Les Moonves, stepped in to make it happen. Right. And then the fight was a dud. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Boxers, get it together, man. And and boxing managers, boxing coaches, promoters, just build a union. Build something so that you don't have guys walking around the gym five, ten years after their career is over who can't talk straight. Yeah. Who can't, who have, have health problems and CTE and so on and so forth with no insurance. And all they can do is actually hang out at the gym and live off of their past glory. Yeah. It's not acceptable. Sit around taking pictures with people that they're tired of doing. Unbelievable. Great addition of the Ozone, folks. You got anything else? This should be enough. (laughs) I think it's enough. I'm going to leave you with a quote about patience. Experience has taught me this, that we undo ourselves by impatience. Misfortunes have their life and their limits, their sickness and their health. Ladies and gentlemen, take your time out there. Be patient. Live your life. Remember, one minute of patience can give you 10 years of peace. I'm Omar Miller, your host. I'm here with Terry Miller, also known as The Icons. You can find us on uninterrupted.com. This is The Ozone. Ozone.